Imagine that. Me, Vince McMahon. Imagine that. Here I am on WCW television. How can that happen? Well, there's only one way. You see, it was just a matter of time before I, Vince McMahon, bought my competition. That's right. I own WCW. So therefore, in its final broadcast tonight on TNT, I have the opportunity to address you, the WCW fans. I have an opportunity to address you, the WCW superstars. What is the fate of WCW? Well, tonight, in a special simulcast, you'll all find out. Because the fate, the very fate of WCW is in my hands. Welcome to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex and joined not this week by Patrick Young, the world's greatest referee. Instead, I've got Britton Hester. Hello, Britton. How's it going? I was going to refer to your old Twitter handle as the Hestercution, but you've moved on from that. I am. You know, after a lot of thoughtful consideration, I decided it was time for a rebrand. We're in new times as Americans, and <laughs> I think we all need to look at ourselves and see what do we need to change. And for me, that was my Twitter handle like three years ago. It's been three years since you changed it? Yes. Okay, I just now noticed uh, this morning. How long have you been a pro wrestling fan? Since about 1997. Nine, oh, so the good the good old days. The good old days, yes. And uh, have you kept up with the product ever since? Did you take some time off here and there? Did you? I took a little bit of time off after the event that we're going to cover today, actually. This really caused a, a, a break in the... Uh, you were more of a WCW guy. I was over this whole wrestling thing until one day in 2004, I turned on Monday Night Raw and was just captivated by evolution. <laughs> well, evolution is a mystery. It's a change that no one sees. I've heard the clock makes a fool of history. Before we get into pro wrestling, though, I wanted to uh, briefly, your your real love is motorsports, as you're wearing a Wood Brothers racing hat as I sit here and talk with you. And NASCAR, in a lot of ways, well, there's a lot of crossover in the fan bases between NASCAR and um, pro wrestling. But they've also got the same thing in common in that their popularity has declined year over year in the last, I don't know, decade plus or so. I hate to admit it. I was a big fan of NASCAR right after Dale Earnhardt died. I don't know what it was. That got me back into it for some reason. And I stuck with it for about three or four years. And then I was just 
I was just done with it. So how do you explain the decline in popularity at NASCAR events? Like what what what's causing the ratings to go down year over year? What is what could they do to, to write the ship? Well, you know, for my full theory on this, they need to pay me a few more bucks. Oh, really? As opposed to the to... zero that I'm making right now from them. But yeah. I think a lot of it is much like with WWE, they're catering to their old fan base. And they're afraid to make wholesale changes that'll bring in the young people. They'll make a few cosmetic changes here and there. But overall, when it comes to like making that immersive experience either at the track or at the arena, I think both of them are missing out on that. I think one thing, too, is viewing habits have changed. People, we're turning into goldfish where our attention span is just so limited that sitting around on a Sunday for five hours watching a race isn't isn't just doable anymore. I think NASCAR should shorten the length of the races. The tinkering of the rules every year is something that's really, unlike in pro wrestling where the rules are set and, you know, have never been broken or altered, NASCAR seems to change the rules every year. And I think that's confusing a lot of older fans. I I think a big part of it is they want to find that perfect rules package, but by tinkering a little bit every year, it kind of just makes people say enough's enough. I'm tired of having to keep up with new rules every year when if they could find that one perfect package and stick with it, I think that would A, make it easier to follow for new fans and B, kind of keep the old ones happy with, okay, this is how it is. This is how it's going to be for a while. They're not going to change one or two little things that make a huge impact on the whole season every year. And one other thing I think that has hurt NASCAR, and this is no fault of NASCAR's, because in some sports, dynasties are seen as a great thing, like the Showtime Lakers, Michael Jordan in basketball, the Patriots in football, the Braves. When well, They never won a lot of World Series, but dynasty-type things. And Jimmy Johnson, it will be years and years down the road when we finally look back and appreciate what he's able to accomplish because they change the rules every year to keep him from winning this thing and he always finds a way to do it he's won seven championships do you think that him winning so much because he's not a southern a southern good old boy you know that he's not the prototypical nascar driver he's not dale jr so do you think that has something to do with it that the that his dominance of the sport and just it in general is hurt i think that was more true a few years ago as compared to now because i think now more of the fans are willing to embrace what jimmy's done for the impressive feat that it is. But a few years ago, I mean, there were times where they would get caught cheating or whatnot and fans say, oh, they're just a bunch of cheaters when the reality is every team out there is doing it. Another thing that has kind of impacted both wrestling and NASCAR's popularity is just the open forum that every single fan has. So some of those complaints that may have been there 10, 15 years ago are even more vociferous now with people just instantly putting every single thought on Twitter. Like it kind of becomes just this pool of complaining yeah, well, that's what this podcast is. It's just a pool of complaints. So thank you for joining me. Um, well, we picked a bad show because, I mean, with WCW, there's nothing to complain about. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah, it's this show will be easy because there's nothing to really complain about. It's it's the perfect show. It's the, it's the greatest company there ever was and ever will be. I know you're into indie wrestling and stuff, too. You're excited about the Scenic City Invitational. You're a big proponent of theirs, even though they're not paying you, even though you promote them constantly on your Twitter, at Brenton Hester. What is the Scenic City Invitational for people who don't know? This will be the third year for this tournament. It's a tournament of 16 indie wrestlers from all different styles, from 
local guys to big indie names like Matt Riddle and Joey Janella. A 16-man tournament at East Hamilton High School in August. It's a two-night show. The most fun I've had in an indie show in years last year, and I definitely recommend people come out to it. The local media is starting to cover it. Chattanooga's number one chicken restaurant publication did put an article up about it yesterday wow that is impressive so check the menu at the concession stand because i have a good feeling we'll see some fried chicken there nuga.com covered it wow so scenic city invitational coming up i know that you were one of the early adopters of flow slam uh what was your experience with flow slam and the uh the uh, flow slam product i enjoyed it i enjoy the evolved product but at the end of the day i just couldn't justify twenty dollars a month for what i was getting like you'll see good shows, but then a lot of those same guys you can see elsewhere for a better price. I mean, there are so many different streaming services, both wrestling and non, competing for my money. It's At the end of the day, it's twice as expensive as the WWE Network. And for the amount of time I was using it compared to the network, it couldn't justify it. When it comes to wrestling streaming right now, I have the WWE Network and also Demand Progress to get my British indie wrestling fix. I feel like a casual fan compared to you because you know so much more about all this other happenings in the world because I, the network is my primary source of, of wrestling. I read about it. I follow, uh, you know, I follow live audio wrestling, John Pollock, and I listen to Court Bauer and, and all those guys and Meltzer sometimes. And uh, so, but I never actually watch any of it. Do you, you actually take in a lot of the product though, right? With so much stuff out there, there's not a lot that I catch every single show of, but I like to at least stay aware of what's going on. Did you check out any of the G1 special over the weekend? I did. I saw the Saturday show on Access and I haven't seen any of the Sunday show because I don't have New Japan World right now, but I'm going to watch it. Oh, night two is exclusive to the streaming service then? It's going to be on access Friday night. Oh, okay. But I did see the Meltzer driver. Well, that's really what's important. Dedicated to Dave's dad, RIP. It was a bad week for uh, wrestling losses with Smith Hart and uh, Dave Meltzer's father. So uh, was any match you saw worthy of more than seven stars? Because now the star system has exploded. You know, I haven't seen night two yet, so I'm going to hold out until I see... Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Billy Gunn, but so yeah, far... Yeah, that's what no, I'm hearing it's... is the the show stealer, is uh, the panting of, de-panting of the other wrestlers, you know, showing wrestlers each other's butts is uh, the new thing in wrestling. I mean, that's the reason that the Shawn Michaels-Razor Ramon ladder match was so <laughs> lauded over these years. People say that's... what they will about the stunts and the first ladder match and all that. That's what people came back for. That's why people view that match on the WWE Network. There, uh, I believe it was their SummerSlam rematch, or it might have happened at the Rumble, the one where Sean was pissed off about how they hung the belt up. I actually thought that match was better than the, the WrestleMania 10. I thought the best match at WrestleMania 10 was Owen and Brett, but everyone right. seems to disagree with me. But There's something about something being the first that makes people hold it in a higher regard. Yeah. I don't think that'll be the same for the first women's money in the bank. That was something that happened. Or the women's first Hell in a Cell match. They, uh, the first extreme elimination chamber. The first Punjabi prison. Yeah, that Great Kali couldn't even make it to due to elevated liver enzymes. There must have been something in the water at that pay-per-view because, man, just Matt Hardy, Bobby Lashley. Everyone's enzymes. And they're all very similar body type-wise, so, I mean, it's yeah. just crazy how that happens. Well, Brenton, this week you came in on the 4th of July, America's birthday, where we celebrate and honor Lex Luger for saving us from Yokozuna many years ago uh, from his attempted takeover of the USS Abraham Lincoln. And uh, so that is why 
you're here today, but you're also here to review the final episode, sadly, of WCW Monday Nitro. Well, it was really referred to as the season finale at the time because they thought they might one day bring it back, even though Tony was quite doubtful of this. Tony was pretty sure this was it. I think everybody knew that its time was numbered. I mean... Nowadays, you'll have people say, oh, what if Bischoff had been able to buy it? But what ended up happening with TNA a couple years later was like a best case scenario of what could have happened because there's no way anybody but Vince would have bought it and put the money into it that Vince did. If Time Warner had somehow won the wrestling war, WCW would still go out of business and then we wouldn't have the WWE network and it would just all be gone. So this was the best case scenario. Absolutely. Even people can argue about what... WWF did in the months following their purchase of WCW. <laughs> There's a lot that they did wrong for sure, but at the end of the day, they're still here no matter what happened. WCW would not still be here today. Well, we start things off with that old WCW star logo. Just you know quality is about to descend upon you when you see that very dated. Why did they change a logo? A logo is a very delicate thing to change. NASCAR just changed their logo, and I think it looks, it'll be outdated in by next year that it'll be outdated some logos are just timeless to me and i mean not that the old wcw logo was like anything special but it's a million times better than the star logo also to look back at that time in everything not just wrestling but companies in general thought they needed a more extreme looking logo you know you had, oh yeah 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 wwf update to the scratch logo you had even surge decided you know what we need a more extreme look to our brand yeah, Serge, a, a soft drink that had been out for like a year. Oh, time to update that logo, you know, time to get more extreme. The first time I saw the new WCW logo was actually, I went to a house show at the McKenzie Arena, headlined by Sting versus Bam Bam Bigelow. And I saw the new logo, and I had no idea what it was, because, I mean, I kept up with Nitro and Thunder when I was allowed to, but I hadn't seen the new logo before, and I just wasn't sure what it was. Almost 19 years after they changed the logo, I still don't know what I'm looking at. <laughs> Yeah, and then towards the very end, they they tweaked it just a little bit more. Like those la- like greed and sin, they they added some different typeface to it, and it got really weird there right at the end. But for tonight, they went back to the just the the shitty star logo for the final Nitro, the and Spring Breakout edition. What gets me is they went back to that older logo, but why wouldn't they just go back to the logo that du- most WCW fans knew? Clearly, the worst decision ever made in WCW. Yeah. Yeah, if they couldn't even get their logo figured out, how could they figure out how to run a wrestling company? This is, of course, March 26, 2001. Uh, For more on the death of uh, WCW, you can read the book, Death of WCW by R.D. Reynolds and Brian Alvarez, which that goes into all the details. Uh, It's not the slanted WWE version where WWE tells the story that uh, DX drove a tank, blew up WCW, and won the war. A piece by piece of where WCW went wrong. And if you pick it up, I definitely recommend getting the revised expanded edition from a couple years ago. It's a little bit bigger read. And it's also on Audible if you have a free trial that's just burning a hole in your pocket. <laughs> and you want to listen to Brian Alvarez for about 20 hours. I'm a big Filthy Four Daily fan. Minus five stars, Now, naturally, you open up the final edition of WCW Monday Nitro, not with a montage of the history of going back to the NWA, what, like a 40-year-old company, 50-year-old company? No. You start with who, Brenton? Something that we're going to get used to as wrestling fans after this point, Vince McMahon standing in a WWF ring. (laughs) Not in the ring, but in front of that old WWF Raw is War interview set, which was a, a canister like a, an oil canister and a fence 
Imagine that. <laughs> Me, Vince McMahon. I'll include the whole promo. So. He brags about buying his competition. And he says tonight in his final broadcast here on TNT, he'll address the WCW fans and their superstars. Because WCW fans always called their wrestlers superstars. The very fate is where? In his hands. And it's something that he wouldn't let us forget for years to come. Yeah, this clip is the most overused. In all those Monday Night War things on the network, this is the most shown thing. We get Nitro's glitchy noise open, as opposed to the old... I loved the old original Nitro intro that was shot. It looked like on Disney World Street with flames going up the road, but no, none of that here. Just smash cuts of all the superstars like Road Warrior, Animal, all the big names in WCW, Jeff Jarrett, Booker T, Big Papa Pump, you know, the top guys. The top guy, Kevin Nash sitting down. WCW has a storied history throughout the South. I can think of many big shows in areas like Atlanta, North Carolina, all throughout this area. And where do you go for the final WCW Monday Nitro? Somewhere arguably as important to WCW as the place where the very first Monday Nitro was held. <laughs> Panama City Beach, Florida. It's, right. well, it's spring breakout. We can't cancel spring break just for the last Nitro. We can't reschedule things. I mean, we got to promote 1-800-COLLECT. And America Online 6.0. <laughs> Sign up already. It's a landmark night in the industry, Tony remarks. He says he's seen it. And he still cannot believe it. But he hasn't seen it yet because the show hasn't started yet. All he's seen is fireworks. Their pyro budget was still uh, pretty uh, expansive here, even on the last night. If you still got it in the budget, you might as well blow it all the last night. By the way, I'm kind of curious as to why this broadcast even occurred. Did they have some sort of contractual obligation to air this broadcast? Because they had bought WCW like over the weekend. They could have just canceled this, right? I mean... TNT, why would TNT put this product on the air? It's not theirs anymore. I guess maybe last minute they didn't want to throw a rerun of one of their hit original shows, or they just wanted a proper goodbye with the biggest air quotes possible. I was curious about how Thunder ended, and I looked up the old ending of Thunder. All they got was a still frame of the production crew saying, thanks. I was hoping you'd say that Thunder was still actually on the air and nobody knew. One thing that really I found weird about this is that they called it the WCW Night of Champions. Clash of the Champions is one of the first things I think of when I think of WCW. So it's like, why wouldn't they use that name one more time? Well, at least WWE adopted this just for... uh just last year, they brought the Night of Champions back. There was like three, or, there was a committee of people who put the show together, and I guess none of them remembered anything from the last 30 years. No one cared. No one cared. I just feel like the historic championships in WCW, such as the Cruiserweight Tag Team Championships, deserved better than just <laughs> Night of Champions. Or the TV title that, you know, was found in the garbage uh, by Hacksaw Jim Duggan. It, it deserved a better fate here than to not even be featured on its final night. The Hardcore Championship, which you can still play in the WWE video games, but I have no recollection of it existing and I don't remember whatever happened to it. Haku was a surprise entrant in the Royal Rumble that year before WCW folded and he was the hardcore champion and then they just never addressed what happened to the belt so I think Haku took this it's probably at his car dealership in uh, that he works at in Florida so uh if anyone's looking to become the next WCW hardcore champion I'm not sure they ever employed the 24-7 rule but if you go there 
and Penhaku, I think you get the belt. I think that's how it works. If you go there and pin Haku, I'll give you whatever you want. <laughs> we have Tony Schiavone and Scott Hudson on the call. And you'll note the bitterness in Tony Schiavone all night long because he knows he's not getting a job. Meanwhile, Scott Hudson knows there might be a future uh, in WWE for him. Tony Schiavone. Now, if I was Tony Schiavone, I would have just buried the WWF all night long. I would not have been composed. I would have just thrown him under the bus every second, but he was very he was very cordial. He did a really weird job of picking his battles when to be bitter. Uh, I noted one of the guys behind them. Now, this is spring breakout. There was no ticket price. Again, even on their last night, WCW could not figure out how to sell tickets. Now, for this event, thanks to OSW Review, I know that someone found a flyer that you could pay like 30 bucks. It was unlimited beer, but that got you Final Nitro and unlimited beer at Club La Vila in Panama City, Florida. So even on their last night, they had no ticket gate income for this thing. And you'd probably need that unlimited beer to sit their WCW show towards the end. Well, especially when the, the curtain jerker is the, the biggest match of the night. And then I guess you could just go drink some more. I, whatever. I love signs that are real intricate and stuff. One guy is just holding a plain Domino's pizza box. It has no words on it. It's just a Domino's pizza box. And he felt the need to hold this in the air. You know, it was at a time when Domino's wasn't the most popular pizza place around. So I view it as a very poignant political statement. Maybe Tony Schiavone was planning for his future. Uh, you know, he worked at Starbucks briefly uh, here recently, so maybe he was thinking about hooking up with Domino's. I don't know. If they were an advertiser for Nitro, I think that would make them the most relevant advertiser towards the end that they had. <laughs> there was a fan in the audience holding up a foam guitar that said, listen up, slap nuts on it. And if anybody can find one of those and point me in its direction, I will pay full price for it. <laughs> wow. That's coming home with Brent and Hester. I, I want to see someone sell a foam guitar in the ring. Well, if you're free on Thursday nights on Pop TV, I'm not. I'm busy doing anything else in the world, but maybe you'll get to see that with GFW's Impact. What are they doing with their name? I, we were talking about the WCW logo. Impact Wrestling, TNA, GFW. They can't decide on a name from week to week. It's spin the wheel, make the deal. It's raw roulette with their name. The only real thing, value I find in watching TNA, GFW, whatever they're going by this week, is just scouting who's going to be on NXT in six months, let's be honest. I don't know what they're doing. It seems like they're reverting back to 2003, 2004 TNA when they were first at Death's Door. I can't believe Anthem spent money on this company. The only thing keeping them in the news is not their own product. It's them keeping the Hardys gimmick. But once they sell that, then what do they have? Man who was once lauded by WWE.com as being a... Big deal fairly quick, Alberto El Patron, until he quits showing up. Did you see uh, Paige sitting in the audience with the ma- Lucha mask on so she could watch her man win, win the belt? Now, she is under WWE contract, so she would obviously never do that. That was, you know, that was Alberto's sister or whatever they're saying. Yeah. Alberto's very pale sister that looks a lot like Paige, but probably just a coincidence. I can't believe she got an Alberto tattoo. I mean, didn't I got she learn? <laughs> Didn't she learn anything from Undertaker and the Sarah across the neck? You never do that. It's a bad idea. The first person to come out and speak to us tonight in the ring is the Nature Boy. Scott Hudson says WCW is represented more by this man than anyone else. I would say the last couple years of WCW were best represented by Ric Flair's awful haircut. This was clearly Ric Flair at a bad point in his career. He would see better days even in WWE, but he was just a shell of what he used to be here. It was it was nice seeing Ric Flair on the final Nitro, but it was also kind of sad. He's going to come out and give us a talking to. 
He runs through the history of WCW and says that Vince cannot hold all of it in his hands. I guess physically he can't. Some lady, he didn't name the lady, told him not to cry. And for once in his career, Ric Flair did not actually cry during this promo. The one time he needed to cry, he he could not cry. Even though in all these shoot interviews, he hated WCW. He was ready to get out of there. So this was all kayfabe. One thing he said that was, maybe this is me just nitpicking, but when he said, in 1981, your dad was on the board of directors and voted for me to be champion. I just felt like something like that didn't have a place on the broadcast. <laughs> like it's, we know that wrestling's not on the up and up, but you know, for two hours on Monday night, let us just sit in our disbelief and I have it rubbed in face. Hey, this is not real. Craig Leathers, good call. The director, the future TNA director, Craig Leathers, who directed WCW, cuts to a sign during this promo that says McMahon is Satan. I guess he didn't plan on having a job with the WWE either. Maybe he just misunderstood the higher power storyline. <laughs> Did I? Did I? Woo! Did I happen to hear Vince McMahon say he was going to hold WCW in the palms of his hands? Is that what he said? Does that mean that you are going to hold Jack Briscoe, Dory Funk, Harley Race, the Road Warriors, Sting, Luger, the Steiners, Bagwell, Ric Flair, Steamboat? Does that mean you're going to hold us all in the palm of your hands? To coin a phrase, I don't think so. You know, at 12 o'clock today, someone very special to me said, do not go on that show tonight knowing it's the last time that you'll ever be on TNT or TBS. Knowing it's the last time, she said to me, don't go out there and cry. Don't go out there and say you're sorry, because I'm not. I've been 14 times the world champion. In my eyes, for the greatest, you got it, the greatest wrestling organization in the world, WCW. We. I'm talking about the Stings, the Lugers, the Steiners, the Road Warriors. I'm talking about my best friend, Arn Anderson, and the Four Horsemen. We have been on a par, and we have been equal to any wrestling organization in the world. As a matter of fact, we have run neck and neck with you, Vince McMahon, for years, for years, and just for trivia, Vince McMahon, do you know that in 1981, when you were trying to become an announcer, your dad was on the board of directors and voted for me to be the world champion? Woo! 
How about that? And ever since that day, I have been a limousine riding, jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling dealing, son of a gun, that along with the whole WCW, damn it all, have kissed the girls worldwide. That made him cry. Because you see, we were every bit the force. We were WCW. We lived, we breathed, we sweat, we paid the price to be the best. It's never been about the boys. It's always been WWF versus WCW. In the office, the boys that have gone out there night in and night out doing everything they could to be the very best at what they chose to do in their life. Those boys are here tonight. We are. We're not going anywhere. You can't hold us in your hands and predict our life. We're WCW. We bled and we sweat. When was the last time you wrestled for an hour, cut yourself five times, played for 45 minutes. When were you there? You weren't. You weren't. You never in a dressing room, on the road, 40 days and 40 nights, bleeding, sweating, going to the next town. You weren't there. You can't hold people's lives in your hands. We're the greatest wrestling company of all time. I want to say it again. You can't control us or our future. And in closing, let me say this. In all my years in this sport, my greatest opponent with this company has been Sting. So tonight, if we're going out, if we're going out on a high note, Stinger, the Nature Boy wants you right here because that's right. Oh my God! He wants Sting. Right here. Sting, Sting, my greatest opponent. Sting, it's your last chance. Your last chance to be Sting, 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 to be. The man, you gotta beat the man. And Sting, I'm the man. Woo! Flair says Vince never wrestled for five hours. He never cut himself five times on the forehead. And he was never on the road for 40 days and 40 nights. And he doesn't know anything. And then he calls out his greatest opponent ever, Ricky Steamboat. No, just kidding, Sting. The crowd starts chanting Sting, and then Flair starts going, Sting, 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 Sting. So I guess that's what we'll uh, be getting in our main event. He says, last chance, Sting. But it wouldn't be his last chance. C and TNA, buddy. He says, it's the last chance to be the man. And to be the man, you've got to beat the man. But Sting's beaten the man before. The battle for the man has raged on for like 35 years between these two people. So if the battle to be the man is a linear thing, does that mean Seth Rollins is the man now, or... (laughs) 
Man, that would be a great that that's a good project to actually you'd have to start at the first Ric Flair loss and then follow the lineage of the man. It might have even left pro wrestling at one point and gone into the boxing world. Technically, Conor McGregor holds the title of the Brawl for All. He's the Brawl for All champion if you follow the lineage outside of wrestling because Butterbean defeated uh, Bart Gunn, and so he holds the Brawl for All title. And so, yeah, the man title, this could take years and years to uh, find the lineage of who is actually the man at the moment. We'll get our best scholars on top of this and hopefully find an answer. Jerking the curtain tonight will be a title-for-title match. It's U.S. champ Booker T versus world champ Scott Steiner, who's out with his head freak Madasia. Booker T's theme song had several different little variations throughout the years, and this one might be my least favorite, aside from the time he was tagging with RVD. The Um, song itself is fine, but what you hear at the very beginning is a seemingly bored Booker T saying, Don't hate the player, hate the game. (laughs) Which doesn't make sense as a saying anyway. What does that even mean in reference to wrestling? Don't hate the wrestler, hate wrestling. I think a lot of fans nowadays have really clung to that. So maybe Booker was just ahead of his time. He was the first internet wrestling fan. Go to commercial, which for some reason, the only commercials that the network include are ones that are for Slim Jim with Macho Man. I wish they would just include all the commercials because I think there was also a WCW credit card commercial in there. I think there was a commercial for um, AOL, like a regular AOL commercial. So they cut all that, but we get a Slim Jim commercial with Macho Man in his straight jacket, and all he wants after all these years is still just some beef and some spice. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Beef. Spice. Beef. Spice. Need a little excitement? Stab into a Slim Jim! It's WCW Spring Breakout 2001. Brought to you by 1-800-COLLECT, the easy way to save. And America Online version 6.0. Never been a better time to sign up. Which would have made a great name for a tag team, by the way. Beef and Spice. Not too late. I know. Enzo, if you're listening, find beef. You can be Spice. Sort of like Vicious and Delicious, which was one of my other favorite tag team names. I don't find Buff Bagwell to be delicious in any way. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. Spring Breakout 2001 is brought to you by 1-800-COLLECT, the easy way to save. And America Online version 6.0, there's never been a better time to sign up. If you have used 1-800-COLLECT in the past five years, please let me know at Brendan Hester. Because, I mean, I've got a litany of questions for you. I think I might try to use it on the company phone right now, as a matter of fact. So, give me one second, and we will we will see what happens when we call 1-800-COLLECT. I'd like to think it's just one lonely operator that's been there for 15 years. <laughs> Finally, someone has called. 1-800-C-O-L-L-E-C-T. Thank you for calling 1-800-COLLECT. Powered oh by YMACTEL. Now, we can also assist you in making collect calls to wireless numbers. For rate information, please wait for instructions. Yeah. For English assistance, press 1 now. Yeah. Please enter the area code and number you no, are calling, I want rate information. followed by the pound sign. You're sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, we did learn a valuable lesson just now. If there's someone you want to talk to that's a long distance away, but you don't care about them enough 
to actually incur the 20 cent charge it takes nowadays <laughs> to make a long distance call. 1-800-COLLECT is still available for your use. If you don't have a cell phone where long distance is not even a thing anymore, uh, yeah, you can still call grandma on 1-800-COLLECT. I like to think that this is actually a portal through time and that if you call this, and that if you actually call this, we can call back to 2001 and maybe warn WCW superstars about what's about to happen. But Just don't tell Daly that 1-800-COLLECT still exists, or do tell him. Holler if you hear me. It's either an ambulance or Big Papa Pump coming out next. Their camera work sucks here on the entrance for Booker T because it's a super wide shot, so you can't see him do his flames, his spinneroony, all that stuff. It's just a wide shot of a very empty Panama City Beach, Florida. You see a Turnertron and a few little flames pop up. It's like during this shot, I was looking for Booker T, but like they were going out of the way to show everything but Booker. But again, don't hate the player, hate the game. On the hard camera side, they couldn't crop this out for some reason, held a giant China Rock and Triple H poster up the entire night, right there, dead center of the hard camera. The They're future. all family now. It's <laughs> WWF brethren. Yeah. Or if you're watching the network feed, WW brethren. <laughs> all the matches tonight are going to be in fast forward uh, because we don't have time, you know, no time for this bullshit. No time for wrestling. On a wrestling show. Instead, we get a Harlem sidekick gets a two count. Nick Patrick is somehow still employed by this company after betraying them uh, for the NWO several times. Uh, is the referee for this very important title unification match. Why couldn't they have picked anybody else, Brenton? It says a lot about the higher-ups in WCW, the powers that be, whomever was in charge at this time, that the number one thing on their mind was forgiveness. They forgave Nick Patrick for going against the cause of WCW to take part in the NWO, the New World Odor, as Larry Zabisco cleverly said about 42,000 times. And they made it right. They said, you know what? We know that you know that you made mistakes, so we're going to give you the ultimate honor of refereeing this championship match, this title versus title, belt versus belt. I hope Vince isn't listening on this final Nitro. The strap. The strap versus strap. That's that's one of his other favorite words. The 675 pounds of gold. I've complained about Nick Patrick's counting ability before. This this little flappy thing he does with his hand as he counts. Somehow this man still got a job in the WWE and ended up on SmackDown for another seven or eight years. It's just unbelievable. Some of the refs they kept around, the amount of time they did were insane to me. I will say... They were pretty quick to get rid of the worst referee I saw in WWE. Are you talking about Earl Hebner uh, for ringing the bell early on Brett and then firing him for selling uh, bootleg merchandise out of his trunk? Is that who, who you're talking about? You may not remember this, but I was actually referring to when Nunzio was a ref for a brief time. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He was horrible. Like He was still emoting as if he were a wrestler, so the focus was always somehow on him even though he wasn't doing anything. That I think that experiment only lasted yeah. maybe a month. Reveal Way just did a Money in the Bank 2011. Yeah, they just did they just did a Money in the Bank show from either 2011 or 2012, and Nunzio was a ref, and I thought they had misstated that. I, I totally forgot about that. There wasn't this one thing he did horrible, but like everything about what he would do would distract me from the match, and I would just be watching. I'm filling in for Patrick this week, but when it comes to refing, being the best ref of all time, I don't think Nunzio's coming for him anytime soon. <laughs> He's coming for you. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Booker didn't like that last week. The second I saw the Ball Brothers show up on Raw, I turned I turned it off. I rarely do that, 
I just think those guys are just scumbags. The Ball Brothers, also a good name for a tag team. (laughs) Especially heading into Great Balls of Fire. Quickly, predictions, any predictions for this weekend? I mean, there's, I mean, Joe's got got to lose, right? I mean, oh, yeah. After seeing the buildup, I think it's going to be a more competitive match than I originally feared it would be. I actually want to see the match, um, even though I know the, the result. Like, I know that Samoa Joe is not the Samoa Joe of 2005, but they've sold me on this match. I think he's one of the few NXT call-ups that I've been more excited about since his call-up. And this is one of the the best builds they've done in a long time without overdoing it or long talking segments or just all the garbage they usually do. Now, in the Roman Reigns-Braun Strowman ambulance match, who is going home in an ambulance? As much as it saddens me to say this, I think it'll be Braun Strowman. Really? Wow. So they're going to do Roman and Brock at SummerSlam and then repeat it at WrestleMania? I've seen rumors. I mean, put on your spoiler earmuffs if you don't want this ruined, but rumors that the plans for WrestleMania have changed. So it wouldn't shock me to see Roman versus Cena at WrestleMania. I've stated it before. If if Roman's in the main event in New Orleans, I was going to go to New Orleans. But if he's in the main event, I will not go. It has nothing to do... I'm not one of these these marks on the internet that's just like, oh, I just hate Roman Reigns for this. I just find him to be a boring wrestler. That's exactly where I'm at. Like, I don't have this, like, vociferous hate about Roman Reigns. It's just when he's on the screen, I find myself scrolling through my phone doing something else. Like, I just don't care. Like, the Strowman program has been great, but for the wrong reasons. I'm excited to see what <laughs> Strowman does. I think... Roman versus Cena is the one program that it must be some parallel universe because I actually want to see that. Yeah, I well, I think the last few years of John Cena matches have been actually really good. I think Cena's really improved as a wrestler in the last few years. Roman Reigns just bores me. I can't watch a match with 15 spears and 15 uh, Superman punches over and over again and get excited about it. I thought he had great match. When he's in there with great competition, like when he was in there with AJ, AJ got great matches out of him. But for the most part, I just find him to be just so boring. I think he really needed that solo heel run. I don't, I'm not one of those people who thinks turning someone heel or turning a heel face is like the magic solution, but I think a couple years as a top heel, had they kept the Usos with him, I think would have been great for him because he's good at getting heat. And I mean, who cares if you're getting, what reason you're getting booed for if you're getting a loud reaction as a heel? I think in the best of 200 series, we've got Cesaro and Sheamus versus oh, I can't, I can't the do it 40 something year old Hardy boys. Boys with a Z. Because Much like the WCW logo was uh, trying to be cool. I think they've got to be. WWE has to know that they're getting those rights to the broken characters because otherwise I don't think they would have kept up this nostalgia run so long because we saw how quickly they tossed the Dudley Boys. Well, that's what I was going to say. This is, this is quickly turning into the Dudley Boys uh, run where they were working superstars and main event by the end of it. If they get the rights to the broken universe or whatever you want to call it, what do they do with the Hardys? I mean, you've got a lot of tag teams on Raw, such as, you know, The Revival, Gallows and Anderson, Cesaro and Sheamus, which I think I've seen Gallows and Anderson have been working face on the undercard shows, but that might not mean anything. Slater and Rhino, of course. The Miztourage. Sadly, no more Golden Truth, though, which I've really enjoyed his work over the last few weeks, too. But Will that be one of the things that everyone gets excited about and then the match starts, much like the Goldust and Stardust feud? 
All right, back to Nitro from 2001, final Nitro. The season finale. We'll see. Maybe he could return. Never say never. I never thought we'd see Goldberg back. Maybe Nitro is uh, prepped for a return. I mean, how long was Dallas on hiatus? (laughs) He came back to TNT. I mean, ECW came back to sci-fi. And I mean... And back to the thing where Vince called them WCW superstars. That's, in retrospect, that kind of rubs me the wrong way because at least the ECW guys got a solid month and a half of being called <laughs> extremists and vixens extremists definitely wouldn't fly in today's world either like i mean that they it's either isis or tommy dreamer coming down the ramp i don't want to see either come down the ramp to be honest <laughs> <laughs> quick match here we get a harlem sidekick for a two count hudson mentions the u.s champ should always be the number one contender a rule that is never followed even to this day otherwise the face of america and the modern-day Maharaja would be facing off in the Punjabi prison instead of Randy Orton because reasons. Steiner turns corner punches into a powerbomb. I would never let Scott Steiner powerbomb me. Would you have much choice? Scott Steiner, who, by the way, is still an active wrestler. I mean, was wrestling at Slammiversary over the weekend. Just a little bit deflated uh, from Big Papa. He's a slightly smaller pumped now. but Show you how off-the-radar impact is for me. I completely forgot that. He was in a tag match. The The announcer feud came to a uh, conclusion over the weekend with the return of Abyss and uh, the Sinister Minister. Well, I take back everything I said about Impact being directionless. <laughs> Medeja slaps Booker on the outside of the ring. Scott then decides, I'm going to murder Booker T. It is the last night. I mean, I can't go to jail on the last night of Nitro, so he gets a lead pipe and swings at Booker's head and misses and hits the turn turnbuckle post. As Tony Schiavone said, he tried to kill him. Would have been really bad, I guess. I mean, uh, if you're going to go out. <laughs> <laughs> That's how the main event should have, I mean, Ric Flair, Sting should have just killed Ric Flair and just <laughs> the shocking. If I'm you sorry, really I love s- you. <laughs> <laughs> If you really want to stick it to Vince McMahon for per- you just purchased a, a murder on TV. Congratulations. Thanks for your $3 million. Steiner does his uh, elbow drop and his push-ups. Uh, he does one- only one belly-to-belly for a two-count, so you know this match was hurried. What a belly-to-belly it was, though. Booker hulks up and catches Steiner with a drop kick. The Ghetto Blaster, a very politically correct name, which is just another scissor kick. I can't believe that name didn't carry over into WWE. Then he tries a Harlem sidekick and a bookend, but Scotty gets it into a Northern Lights suplex and uh, gets a two count. Steiner tries to powerbomb Booker. Booker flips out. Booker hits the bookend, wins the match. He's the man. He's the dual champion. Having the Rock's finisher move uh, was a bad idea from this. You should never have someone else's finishing move while they're still an active wrestler. You see it a lot more often when they're in different companies, but for all intents and purposes, I think once WCW was under WWF's control, maybe Booker should have just stuck with the ghetto blast. (laughs) (laughs) He could have done the Harlem hangover. Well, the Houston hangover once he got to WWF. His whole backstory changed, I guess. He has no more brother. Since he won, of course, that means he's getting the WWF contract. Had Vince watched his promo later on in the evening, I think he would have uh, regretted picking Booker over Steiner here to uh, take to the company. So that was a Booker promo? I thought they had accidentally wired in like an NXT training class promo or something. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was 
2K17's promo training mode with uh, Lord Tenzai that uh, I had actually clipped in here. I think Booker took the buyout of his contract because he probably made more in WWE. I bet he wasn't making shit in WCW. Knowing what we know about WCW as a company, I think that's a safe bet. And I mean, this says a lot about Booker compared to some of the other people that took the money, which I don't blame anybody that decided to take the money, but it's the age old story of sometimes you just have to bet on yourself. I think Booker knew that he had a better chance of making something of himself in the beginning because maybe he knew that there were a lot of top guys that weren't going to take those WWF contracts, and he wouldn't have that opportunity when his Turner deal expired. Unfortunately, they treated him like garbage as soon as he walks in, and The Rock says, who are you? Eventually, he did rebound at WrestleMania 18 when he got the feud <laughs> over Shampoo, and then WrestleMania 19 of when, course. how do we put this in 2017? It was, storyline may have been a little racist when Triple H told him that guys like him weren't supposed to be champion. And it only took one pedigree to put him down when it takes about 17 stunners, 18 super kicks, a million whatevers. One pedigree puts Booker T in his place. Which I think they've edited it down now if you watch it on the network, but that was the first four-hour WrestleMania because it took Triple H an hour to cover Booker after that pedigree. I mean, indirectly, the way that they treated Booker T was the reason Sting claims he didn't sign with this company because in one of these interviews with like TBN or one of these Christian television stations when Sting had his book out his book out talking about Booker T's treatment that's he said that's why I didn't sign is because of the way he was treated so imagine if Sting walked out and The Rock just said who who the fuck are you (laughs) I'm a little skeptical of that as someone who has been a fan of Sting as long as I've been a wrestling fan I think if the money were right he would have taken that risk but he ended up in TNA though so, oh yeah, he he ended up on top of things. He got like six hundred thousand dollars a year to work like twelve dates. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I I guess I haven't ever thought of it that way. I mean, the schedule of WWE versus the schedule of TNA and the money and Sting's always struck me as a guy who, at the end of the day, doesn't really pay much mind to what his legacy is in wrestling. He just no, he's yeah. a businessman like a lot of those guys in from that era. He didn't get caught up in the star power or anything like that. He just. He wanted to make his money, and he wanted to do it as easily as possible, and I don't blame him. That's why he's still alive and walking around at 55, 56 years old now or whatever. Maybe he could have taken a couple fewer buckle bombs, but... Ricky Rackman shows us some spring breakout highlights. This event looked very, very shitty. Uh, a bunch of co-eds, Pimp 1-800-Collect. It's the only... It's the easiest way to save money nationwide. Here I've been trying to invest, but I should have just been using... 1-800-COLLECT all this time. (laughs) Get another Vince pre-tape. This time he's on the phone. He buries Panama City as a shitty place to be. Meanwhile, Raw's in Cleveland, Ohio. Now, I'm not saying that either are a bad place, but Cleveland's not on some high pedestal compared to Panama City Beach. Like, they've given us many wonderful things such as the Browns, Dolph Ziggler. (laughs) CM Punk's UFC debut. Not a lot of great stuff out of uh, Cleveland, so. But at the end of the day, I'd probably still go there over Panama City Beach any day of the week. All right. (laughs) More highlights from Booker's win. The very few highlights that would be shown on this show. The Young Dragons are in the ring. I Can't Get You Out of My Heart is dubbed over for some other random boy band song. as three count with only two members. I can't get you out of my heart. I knew it. 
comes to the ring. It's Evan Courageous and Shannon Moore, and they'll be taking on the Filthy Animals, another great politically correct name. Maskless Rey Mysterio, Devil Horns, Zip Up Cargo Pants, straight out of 2001 Rey Mysterio, and Billy Kidman and his jorts and wife beater. They're in the ring. It's time to determine the number one contender for the eight-day-old Cruiserweight Tag Team Championship. And I noticed the way they had this laid out, it was triple threat rules, so one member of each team was in the ring at the same time, and I've got to say I'm not a fan of this format. Like, I realize with Cruiserweight Tag Teams or Junior Heavyweight Tag Teams, whatever you want to call it, there's something going on at all times, but I felt like they could have maybe slowed it down a little bit. I say this as a fan of the Young Bucks. Oh, I I thought you were saying as a fan of 205 Live and... uh, What's his name? Get the no fly zone guy. Uh, Drew Gulak. Yeah, Drew Gulak. You know, I'm. I want these guys to slow down and do some mat based wrestling and really, you know, take their time. But no time was given here. And uh, as far as who was in the ring and tags, this match went so fast, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Did you notice Kidman hitting the shooting star press to nobody in particular outside? Yeah, he didn't really care who was going to catch him or what caught him. It was the Kidman Kazi. Much like a kamikaze airplane, it just slams into whatever. Wang looks for Wang time and gets it and gets a two count before Kidman breaks it up. He was covering Ray. Shannon hits a Famouser on Kidman. The Young Dragons hit their flippy powerbomb thing. I don't know what it's called. I wish I knew the names of moves. Sorry, guys. I'm not Mauro Ranallo, who I can't believe is coming back to this company. You know, I will defend Mauro back on NXT. Explain. I understand your issue completely, but from what I've gathered... If I bullied you all day, every day, and said, you know, whatever happened... I mean, we still don't know what happened between them. So, hypothetically speaking, say we both work at a place called Mitts 96, (laughs) and you're giving me a hard time like you've... And I'm struggling with a mental condition, and you just exacerbate it to the point where I can't come to work. Clearly, we wouldn't be able to work together, but say that... Our employer had a sister company, let's just call it Runny (laughs) 92.3, and they offer me a position. And that's really where I wanted to be from the get-go. I would take that position. And supposedly with his gig at NXT, he only does the NXT full-sale events and the takeovers, and he can do any voiceovers from his home studio. So he's just working with Triple H and Michael Cole. So he's not around Vince and JBL. So it's a big enough company that I could see him finding value in that especially since supposedly that's what he wanted to do from the beginning. Yeah, I know. It's his dream. This is his dream, and it's very hard to step away from it. But after something like that, I even even with all those conditions, I don't know that I would... I'm glad that he knows the names of, of wrestling moves, and the names of wrestlers, for that matter. Does he know the name of any moves aside from the Tope Suicida? Have we decided that or not? If he can just cut out the Mamma Mia's, I think I'd be okay. And by the way... Okay, the Tope Suicida. Is that through the middle rope or is that over the top rope? I believe it's over the top. Okay. I've always been confused about the Tope Suicida. What would it be called through the middle rope, though? Just back Re- to this thrilling yeah. cruiserweight tag team action. Evan Courageous hits a 450 on Kaz Hayashi. Ray tries a Bronco Buster on Shannon Moore and gets kicked in the dick for his trouble. I hate the Bronco Buster. I've never liked this move. I don't know why Ray liked it. I don't like moves that hurt the guy giving the move more than the person taking it. And as X-Pac has taught us, <laughs> yeah, 
the giver is in much more danger. Ray ends up winning the match. He hits Shannon Moore with a guillotine leg drop as uh, Shannon was draped over the ropes and the filthy animals win. They will face um, Elix Skipper and Kid Romeo tonight in the Cruiserweight Tag Team title match. One thing I'll say, and Evan Courageous is a lot better than I remember him being. I hear that a lot from uh, other podcasts that have covered Evan Courageous. What what happened to this guy? Where did he go after this? Evan, if you're out there, please call us. 1-800-COLLECT. You can call us anytime. If you say it's Evan Courageous, I will accept your collect call. <laughs> you know who could use 1-800-COLLECT after all these segments tonight? Vince McMahon, because he spent almost the whole night on the phone. And I'm glad that we saw these. These were really important to the story of WCW and Nitro. Uh, Vince is on the phone again. This time he's talking about talent that he wants to keep and sign, though he doesn't mention any names. Time to have some sex with Trish Stratus. She brings in some champagne and some uh, flutes. And he's like, you know what? Instead, we can fake make out. And so they fake make out. And then in a classic Attitude Era... Not so subtle reference, the champagne cork pops on the floor and you see the creamy results of the champagne. What kind of champagne have you been drinking? I don't know what they were trying to imply happened here between Trish and Vince, but uh, yeah, you can figure it out. Anytime people will clamor for the return of Vince McMahon to TV, I think back on stuff like this, stuff like the DX feud from all of 2006, and I'm like... I think I'm good. Or yeah, Vince, ECW champion wearing a do-rag. Vince using the N-word in a rap battle with Cena. Yeah, I don't, I don't miss that that Vince. This man's crazy. This is a crazy man with a billion dollars. Well, not a billion anymore, but uh, thanks, XFL. He's, he's, like a, he's an eight-year-old child with a billion dollars. Yeah, I think he'd have been around 55 at the time of this. It's... He's doing what probably 90% of people in his power would do. Book himself to be the just the ladies' man, the king of the mountain, so to speak. Not the wrestling type king of the mountain. No, no, no. Someone who's actually drawn money. Time for Sugar Shane Helms. This Chris. is actually something I was excited to talk about. I forgot how good WCW Shane Helms. Wait, was it Shane McMahon or Shane Helms? <laughs> there's it's too confusing to have two Shanes in wrestling. They've got to change his name. Yeah, yeah. No, this was before the hurricane blew in and killed Sugar Shane. Gregory. I think he was roving reporter Gregory Helms who had turned into the hurricane. And then when he decided to turn his back on Rosie, his superhero in training, God rest his soul, <laughs> he became Gregory once again. Man, WCW Shane Helms was... Really good. Yeah, he was really good. This is a great match. He's going to take on future ECW champion Chavo Guerrero, who comes out to Eddie's old theme, which I think was dubbed over as well. And the Vertebreaker theme is dubbed over, but I'll include it here because it is a an amazing theme. And he has his own dancing girl squad because he broke away from three count. He's a solo artist now. That's one thing that stuck out to me. He had his own dancers, and he came out with all those people, and he just came across as a big deal. They were actually going to build a star out of this guy. They ran out of time. I understand why his finisher wasn't used in WWE, but... Oh, holy shit, yeah. That's a scary-looking thing. Uh, he did use it one time in WWE on an episode of Heat, but uh, never again. Coming to summer on TNT, Witchblade, an all-new original series, and they would let you know about this all night in the corner of the screen. What a bunch of assholes. You know, TNT trying to get... Oh, you like WCW. You'll love Witchblade. Well, I mean, the new season starts up 
in just a couple of weeks, it was a huge success for TNT. <laughs> I understand why they put so many eggs in this basket. Like, we don't need wrestling programming, programming that even with an eroding fan base still has a dedicated couple million people a week. We need more people having the opportunity to watch a show such as Witchblade or many of their other just original programming before Franklin Bash came along. I don't even know what TNT's known. Is that what they're? Is that the show that they're known for now? I didn't know there was anything on TNT. I've heard of Franklin and Bash and Rizzoli and Isles. I've never seen either one. <laughs> these, these sound like bad Italian restaurants. Or jobber tag teams. I think now mostly they're known for just... Showing the Star Wars movies all the time. Yeah, they're mainly a yeah. They just show old movies all the time. But that's what they did with WCW. I I don't know why the AOL Time Warner execs wanted wrestling off their channel so badly because they had no I they had no plans for TNT. At least with TBS, they redesigned TBS into a comedy channel. They took it into a direction. TNT is just still nothing. I mean, with the comedy direction, they could have kept Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> Shane hits a flying cross for a two count. Chavo hits a T-bone suplex for a two count. A Northern Lights for two and a half on Shane Helms from Chavo, who is wrestling the match of his life here, I think. Tilt-a-whirl backbreaker from Shane Helms to uh, Mr. Uh, Guerrero. Then he tries the Sugar Smack super kick, and he gets it. Calls for the vertebraker, but Chavo flips out of it, uh, but still gets hit with it. And there you go. Sugar Shane Helms hits the vertebraker, which is... How would you describe the vertebraker? Powerbomb on your back, basically. Yeah, basically, like, there's a good opportunity for you to screw your neck up on this one. Homicide uses it. I think he refers to it as, depending on whether he's on TV or not, the gringo killer or the cop killer. And it's still just as terrifying to watch now as it was then. I will say I like how they called the super kick the sugar smack. It makes the guy feel important when his moves have their own name. <laughs> It just makes me think of that cereal. What what was the name of the cereal with the frog? Sugar Smacks. <laughs> Were they just called Sugar Smacks? I'm pretty sure. Why would you want to eat something called Sugar Smack? Well, I, I guess... <laughs> it's self-explanatory, I guess. Just think if the name Sugar Smack... Oh, Honey Smacks. Honey Smacks. Maybe Sugar Smacks was the great value version. They no. named a cereal after heroin. Is uh, It's so good, it's like smack. That's... I mean, enjoy that with your Coca-Cola and you're in for a fun night. All right. I will say, just imagine if the name of the superkick, Sugar Smacks, took off. You know, We'd be talking about these Sugar Smack parties going on all across <laughs> Japan. <laughs> also, was... quick shout out, RIP Rapungi Vice. Thanks for the memories. We immediately cut away. No time to celebrate. It's We plugged Team Canada versus O'Hare and Palumbo. I was really disappointed when Alistair Ralphs didn't come out. A1 from TNA. What is Alistair Ralphs? You'll have to... Team Canada TNA group. Oh, the guy that didn't do anything. I'm pretty sure he lactated. What? They had a guy that lactated? I mean, it wasn't his gimmick, but like he was just the big muscle guy with... The weird pepperoni nipples. I I didn't watch the the uh, the golden age of TNA with uh, Team Canada there, so I didn't I didn't see the lactating man. Back in a simpler time when people complained about the Canadian Destroyer ruining the believability of wrestling. I love that move. Do you oh like, yeah. Just checking that I'm not the only one that likes likes it. Did you see Virgil do one over the weekend? Yeah, and I saw people say that he killed the move, but. I mean, has anybody even talked about the Canadian Destroyer in the last six or seven years? Exactly. Virgil is bringing it to relevance. Now it's time for Booker's promo. 
and I'll include it here, and I would not be hiring this man uh, based on this work. This was one of the worst delivered promos I've ever heard. In the argument of scripted promos versus bullet points, (laughs) Booker T gives a strong argument for scripted promos. He says there are many pages left in this book. I guess the book of T. I've got a lot of mixed emotions going through me right now, but now being the world heavyweight champion, the U.S. champion all in the same night, closing WCW, I would like to say this may be the end of a chapter, the end of a chapter. But let me tell you, there are many, many more pages left in this book. So let me tell you this, from this point on, I will prove that I am the best this business has to offer. And if anybody want to test me, step to me like a man. But I tell you this, I will prove that I'm the best to each and every sucker. And like I always say, like I say each and every time, don't hate the player, hate the game. Why didn't they just pre-tape this? I mean, it could have been, they could have had many retakes of it. Didn't they watch Spring Stampede when he called Hogan the N-word? I mean, pre-tape this man. Maybe it was people who thought, much like Tony Schiavone, we're not getting hired, who cares? (laughs) Team Canada, Lance Storm, and Canadian killer Mike Awesome, not Chris Benoit, the real Canadian killer. Okay, you'd be, what what was your comment going to be? Technically, he is a Canadian killer. (laughs) Joey Styles called that one. By the way, if you're on Team Canada, you don't want to be the Canadian killer. You want to be like the American killer. You don't want to kill fellow Canadians. I'm sure a gimmick called the American killer would just get over great. (laughs) Happy July 4th, everybody. I was excited when I didn't know who would be competing for the tag team championships. And I mean, Lance Storm was always good in the ring. But then finding out that the champions were... Chuck Palumbo and the late Sean O'Hare. There were rumors last year when WWE was going on their hiring spree for the brand split that Palumbo might be coming back. He came back with Michelle McCool several years ago as the biker, and the only thing I remember was that about all him. all he was called? I think they just called him Chuck uh, Palumbo. Oh, okay. But his theme would come on, and the words, You Will Remember Me, would ring out. And I don't remember anything about that run. <laughs> Irony. If I can be serious for a minute. All rise for the Canadian National Anthem. In a show where they don't have time for anything, they make this crowd in Panama City sit through the Canadian National Anthem while we take a commercial break. We come back. Trish and Vince are interrupted by Frosted Tips' Michael Cole. Michael Cole says, WCW fans are afraid they'll never see their brand of sports entertainment again and that their superstars will never compete again. Vince essentially tells him to just fuck off. And Trish says, oh, I like it when you're so aggressive. I'm really glad they were able to pepper in Vince in about 20 segments. As they called WCW Sports Entertainment, there was a huge missed opportunity there for the thing that Vince likes to talk about so often now when Ted Turner told him he was in the wrestling business now. Oh, yeah. How do you not just take that low-hanging fruit? That's something I've always been curious about is getting Ted Turner's take on all of this. Like, what does he... Did he even know that he owned WCW, like, towards the end? Like, he's disappeared off the face. He's somewhere in Montana somewhere selling, you know, raising buffalo. No one's heard from this guy in years, and we never get his side of any of this. Like, what made him like wrestling? What? Why did he give up everything? Like, I imagine him finding out WCW was sold would be like if someone came to me and was like, hey, your Smash Mouth CD is gone. <laughs> I'd just be like, oh, I had that? <laughs> 
That's one of the best comparisons I've I've ever heard. Tony, they come back out to Tony and Scott. Tony looks like he's about to vomit. Yes, what will happen to our brand of wrestling? Yeah, take that. Scott Hudson said something that was extremely poignant, and it's something that honestly, you know how you'll go into some houses and you just see live, laugh, love plastered on the ceiling? Oh, the Pinterest houses, yes. Yes, well, he said something that it really struck an emotional chord with me, and I'm actually getting palettes and paint ready. To get this put on my wall in the living room, it's something I want to I want to see every morning as I'm getting ready for my day. He said, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. I'm going to worry about the World Tag Team Championships. I'm glad you wrote that down. He said, I'm not worried, not just about tomorrow. I'm not worried about my mortgage, my daughters, anything. I'm just worried about the World Tag Team Championships. Wow, this man was dedicated to... Palumbo and O'Hare here. I noticed he didn't show that same dedication to the Cruiserweight Tag Team Championships. When you feel so deeply about something, you really don't have room to just (laughs) spread it around. USA chants break out, of course, for these patriotic duo of Palumbo and O'Hare, who sported zero red, white, and blue. Mike Awesome, I noted here, had no mullet. He would later have it at one night stand, so he would go back and forth on the mullet, uh, whether to keep it, have it, cut it. He went back and forth on this mullet quite a bit. He was a very conflicted man. (laughs) One day he knew he would have to make a choice. (laughs) And he he made it. I did notice when Lance Storm hit a super kick, Tony Schiavone, a man that people complain doesn't know the name of moves, referred to it as the standing sidekick. Yeah, well, it wasn't a sugar smack kick, though, either. And it brought me back... It all comes back to the Young Bucks. Imagine the marketability of the standing sidekick party. (laughs) Uh, O'Hare gets a hot tag, runs wild. Fireman carry slam, almost like an AA to awesome, gets a two count. Uh, We get an awesome bomb uh, attempt on Palumbo, but Palumbo gets out of it and hits a super kick himself to awesome. That sets up the Shantan bomb from Sean O'Hare. And the champs retain. It's crazy comparing that Shantan bomb to when you see Jeff Hardy do the Swanton, because, you know, even at 40 years old, Jeff Hardy still just looks graceful as he falls down, whereas the Shantan bomb, it just looked like he was dropped. Immediately, we cut away. No time to celebrate that big win. And we plug the main event as we go to break. But the real main event of the night, I think, is next. It's the tattoo match. Something is finally on the line. Some real stakes are involved here. Speaking of real stakes, it looked like... One of our competitors, Bam Bam Bigelow, had partaken of his fair share. I complained later on about Flair wearing a t-shirt. I think Bam Bam made the right call by wearing the t-shirt here. As someone who has not watched Nitro in a while, I saw him come out. I was like, oh, wow, Ralphus is wrestling. (laughs) You know what's funny about his t-shirt, though? I think it was the name of a local tattoo parlor. I think he got paid to wear this t-shirt. So otherwise, I don't think he would have worn this t-shirt and it would have been a disaster. Bam Bam clearly knew he was not getting a contract. Big stipulation here. If he beats meat, uh, Sean Stasiak, not beats the meat. <laughs> if he beats meat, he gets to give him a tattoo. I've never had a deal quite like that in my life. <laughs> yeah, so Sean Stasiak somehow landed Stacy Keebler as his manager. They are the Sean and Stacy show. She comes out and tells the crowd she won't dance for them. Instead, she'd rather go fuck George Clooney instead. Then Sean Stasiak comes out and kisses her on her chin. She refuses to kiss this man on the lips. His music, by the way, 
do it, do it now. And I, I enjoy the ripoff theme songs. TNA used to be so great about those where half the fun was like, even if you don't care about the wrestler coming out, it's like, what song is that ripping off? The worse of a ripoff it is, the better I enjoyed it. Stasiak had lost this match and gotten a tattoo. He would probably regret it now as he is a chiropractor and would have to explain his Bam Bam Bigelow tattoo to all his clients at his chiropractic business. He's a follower of the Retro Wrestling Podcast on Twitter. He follows back. Thank you for the badge of honor it is. Yeah. Dr. Stasiak, thank you for your follow. <laughs> He's got great eyebrows. This man always had great eyebrows. I think his were on fleek before that was even a phrase the young millennials use. Bam Bam comes out carrying the biggest case for it. I mean, a tattoo gun can fit in your hand, but Bam Bam apparently needed the biggest suitcase in the world for it. He comes out, he hits his flying headbutt, but Stacy distracts Billy Silverman. Uh, he looks for the greetings from Asbury Park, which... Was some sort of what? What was the greetings from Asbury Park? A slam? A tombstone? What was he even? I thought that was. I thought that was the headbutt. I think it might have been the slam. I, it's just like a power slam or something. Later years, Bam Bam Bigelow didn't win many matches with it. He looks for the greetings from Asbury Park, but uh, Meat slips out of it. Gets the hangman's noose. Uh, wouldn't <laughs> probably fly today either. The reverse neck breaker and wins. So no tattoo, so no payoff to this stipulation. So why even have it? Yeah, I feel like like were those just the last two guys that showed up and they're like, oh, we'll put you on TV because, I mean, I could think of them either giving another match a little more time or just putting anybody else on that show because, you know, goodbye WCW. Sean Stasiak versus Bam Bam Bigelow is not something that I really need to really drive at home that this lovely company is no longer with us. Commissioner Regal is backstage with Vince in Cleveland. He's in his X7 jersey. Got to sell those X7 jerseys. Nothing tells the kids, hey, go buy a WrestleMania jersey like seeing (laughs) William Regal in one. He's got a perfect dad bod. He tells Vince that WCW sucks. All right, and that's it. Uh, Then they air a pre-tape promo of DDP, who flew to Panama City, sat in front of sailboats, Stared off into the distance, told us how much he loved us, thanked us for making him a superstar, but didn't wrestle on this show. Stasiak and Bam Bam on the show. The way this was shot is what I hate so much about the modern backstage promos where the wrestler's looking off at the distance as he talks about his opponent or whatever it is. Like DDP's just staring at nothing in particular. And then the next thing we saw was, I thought it was a cool little video package of the former WCW and NWA World Heavyweight Champions. Before we get that, DDP says, you know, it's not over. He's going to take it to the next level. So, see you in a few months, Sarah Taker. In the words of the Grateful Dead, what a long, strange trip it's been. But I got to tell you, I've loved every second of it. Wouldn't trade it for nothing. And tonight, on this historic eve, I thought I needed to thank all the wrestling fans from around the world for letting a kid from the Jersey Shore, Paige Joseph Falkenberg, become Diamond Dallas Page. The guy they said would never make it, but did. And that only proves one thing, that if you want it bad enough, and you're willing to work for it, anything's possible. And it's not really the promoters who decide who's over, it's the fans. So, 
not just to thank the fans in general, I want to especially thank the WCW wrestling fans and my wife Kimberly for believing in me and helping me live my dream. Is that dream over? I don't think so. I think now it's time to take it to another level. You don't know what you're in for. It really, really called a shot there. Yeah. Now, now you're right. Here is here is our entire. How do you pack the entire history of WCW into a montage? Of course, you do it with 15 seconds of mostly still images of people holding belts, mostly unidentified people. You'd have to know who they were. Also, tinted blue, so you couldn't tell anything about them. It was not the best produced video package I've ever seen. But it reminded me of something that New Japan does that I really like for their big title matches. They'll air this video on their their version of the Titantron that just it goes one by one of each person that's held the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, and then they'll get the pre-match festivities started. Like it just makes the title seem like a bigger deal. Granted, for the WWE title, it might be a little dodgy there with <laughs> all the unifications. And then one day you're going to be going through it and see Jinder Mahal. Time for the Cruiserweight Tag Team Title Match. But before that. We go see Vince. He's on the phone and he grabs his coat. It's just about that time. Elix Skipper and Kid Romeo are out first. Tony says WCW had to do some crazy things like put Steve Regal's ass on TV. Hudson has to reel him back in and says to maintain his composure. Kid Romeo and Elix Skipper show a lot of good double team work on Kidman. Kid Romeo, by the way, is the most jacked cruiserweight I've ever seen. I mean, this guy is bursting at the seams. I don't remember a thing about Kid Romeo except seeing him in this match. I mean, I don't even know what happened to him after WCW. I know Elix Skipper had a nice little run in TNA where... The cage walk. That's pretty much it. A cage walk and this this final nitro. Kidman counters a top rope splash with a drop kick. Ray hits the springboard senton on Skipper. We get a tornado DDT on Romeo for a two count. Ray finally gets the Bronco Buster on Elix Skipper after Kidman kicks him in the dick to make sure that he gets that Bronco Buster. Romeo does a sort of a pedigree to Billy Kidman, gets a two count. Ray hits a springboard headbutt for two, but prime time Elix Skipper makes a save. Skipper hits a bridging suplex to Ray for two. Skipper tries the play of the day, MVP's old finishing move. I think about 15 people used this finishing move at one point. The old OVW special. But Kidman hits the Kid Crusher, which is a leaping unprettier, and, or what else was it called? The Kill Switch. The Kill Switch, and Kidman and Rey Mysterio, congrats guys, you are the the brand new and final tag team cruiserweight champions, and those belts should be on eBay any day now. One thing about that pedigree that I saw was, I'd never seen the move done that way before. I can definitely see why it's not a normal move nowadays because the odds of that going poorly seem pretty high. It's like a mixture of edges, like educator with the pedigree. I, I do love the clip that they show of that, like the first time Triple H hit the pedigree on that jobber on Raw or whatever, and he just cracks his head on the floor. That's how it should be done every time. A little collateral damage there. So what do you think about... um? Seth Rollins dropping the pedigree and going with this uh, spinning knee knee shit. I get him dropping the pedigree because it makes sense as like the 
evolution of his character, but I just don't like the way he does that Rainmaker knee. Yeah. Like, it makes sense for why Kenny Omega does it, because his character, as he takes different parts of the guys he faces and works their moves into his moveset, but for Seth Rollins, it doesn't make sense and it doesn't look good. I wish he was still able to do the... Yeah, I wish he was still able to do the curb stomp. Because it's a perfectly safe move. Yeah, I mean... Uh, one thing that I hate, though, about Seth Rollins at the moment, though, is that now every match he has to sell that fucking knee. How long is that going to go on for? I thought you were going to say the thing you hate most about Seth Rollins right now is that he's feuding with Bray Wyatt. Well, his best feud's been with his uh, wife lately. Has uh, been his best work. Bray Wyatt and JoJo, what a, what a combination. Like, if she turns into Sister Abigail, that would make it... That's how. That's the direction they should go. It's weird when I pay more attention to Bo Dallas on screen than Bray Wyatt. Those cruiserweight tag belts are some ugly fucking belts, by the way. They should have never made it past the uh, design stage. Sting is in a random bat room. A bat. A room with hanging baseball bats. Surprise! Surprise! The Stinger is back. Of course. Did you think I would miss this night? Not for nothing would I miss this night. This is an historic night. One more dance with the nature boy, Ric Flair. We started it years ago, Rick, and tonight we're gonna end it once and for all. And for all you fans out there who are wondering what the future holds for Sting, well, the only thing for sure about Sting is nothing's for sure. It's showtime, folks! Until this show, when is the last time Sting had been on WCW television? They said they hadn't seen him since November. Maybe they just weren't looking in the boiler room of <laughs> this Panama City <laughs> Maybe since the last spring breakout in Panama City, he did he missed his flight and they just forgot about him. You look at the man called Sting and you say, that man likes to spring break party. <laughs> <laughs> You're right about Sting, though. He doesn't seem to care about the business. He also doesn't seem to have any interests or hobbies or anything interesting about him, really. Like, Scott Hall created this Crow character for him. Everything that has, everything has just been given to him. He's never contributed anything, really, like, as far as, there's nothing special. But like, Macho Man, there's something special about his promos and his, there's just, Sting's just kind of, eh. Okay. If you really dig in deep, that's how it, comes across but at the same time he had this weird charisma where i was always invested in whatever he was doing yeah i absolutely loved him he was my favorite like in nine from 97 to 98 well up until that disaster at uh starcade when he was in the rafters doing all that stuff man i was marking out for sting but and i like surfer sting too i don't know why though looking back at it i mean the things we liked as kids are kind of weird because I was always, even though he didn't do anything of note during this time, like I was all about Wolfpack Sting. I know. I liked Wolfpack Sting too. And now I think like what a terrible decision that was. Yeah. I was looking when I was playing 2K17, he comes out, I was like, why was I into this? Like he has the face paint and the goatee. Oh, they added that goatee. Yeah. I I had forgotten the goatee phase and I was like, yeah, no. Stay away from that. Sting's in the bat room. He says, the only thing's for sure that's nothing's for sure. And then he says, see at WrestleMania 31, according to WWE lore. TNA never happened. Yeah, what did he do all those years? I mean, <laughs> he was just wandering the earth, waiting for, waiting to eliminate the authority from power. 
you know, I I heard he spent some time in the mafia. He dabbled in real estate. Real estate, Steve. I'm, it's a shame he never showed up on WWE television. I actually wish that he had played just Steve Borden, like real estate agent Steve Borden. But there's still time once Daniel Bryan's contract ends. Just bring in real estate Steve to run SmackDown. You're pretty sure that he's he's gone, right? As soon as as soon as the first chance he gets to get out of there, he's gone, right? I mean, every indication that I can see is that he's splitting. Absolutely. I think he's trying to leverage WWE into letting him wrestle, but that's kind of complicated because I don't think they'll ever do it. But I also think if they put all of their guys through the same rigorous testing they did with Daniel Bryan, there'd be half those guys that wouldn't be able to wrestle based on their parameters. Yeah. Some of the things I'm worried about, though, toward, like when it comes, his contract comes due, I think they're going to try and pull the same shit they did with Mysterio to say... You owe us more time because you were injured for this amount of time. So you now owe us X, you you owe us another two years or whatever. And then the other thing I'm afraid of is now that he's got this kid, he's going to finally say, you know what, maybe I should just hang it up. But at this moment, it sure seems like he, he wants out. He wants to get back in there. And maybe their plan is to sign all of his dream match opponents. They took Nakamura from him. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it's like, enjoy wrestling um, Dalton Castle and the boys because that's who's going to be left. Jack Swagger and Alberto El Patron. Another AOL 6.0, baby. Sign the fuck up already. We love AOL shirts. Uh, we're at this Panama City. If, guys, if, an, if a We Love AOL shirt is out there on eBay, I will pay full price uh, for one of these Panama City shirts that was given out for spring breakout because... That's classic. So easy to use. No wonder it's number one. Yeah. You get 12 megs for email. I mean, that. what else do you need, guys? Vince is walking to the ring in Cleveland. Now it's time for our main event on Nitro. Flair is going to wrestle in a T-shirt. He couldn't get in shape in time. Uh, sort of what, why I wear a jacket all the time. I'm still waiting to get in shape. One day I'll be ring ready. But uh, on short notice, even though he was wrestling at the pay-per-view two weeks ago. So he did wrestle before then? like Yeah, but he wrestled and cl- he was in clothes then too. So. Again, it's been a while since I had paid attention to what was happening before the end of WCW. But I saw this match with Sting and Flair, and I saw it as two guys who were asked two days before, hey, uh, are you going to wrestle on Nitro? Because, <laughs> I mean, Sting had the soccer mom haircut. Oh, yeah. Sting's uh, chili bowl was... Uh... Very good. At least he didn't have his uh, goose egg there in the middle yet. But yeah, so he was wrestling in a t-shirt and a Speedo. The same look as uh, Apollo Ono. I hate this look. Look, I hate Speedo look. More pants in wrestling, guys. I am so sick of the Speedo. Jericho especially. He really let me down because he had a great look for many years. Pants, long hair, looked like a normal human being. Now he's got the speed, like the shortest speedo. He's got the dad bod. He's got the ugly tattoos. And Apollo Ono, they put in a speedo with like a basketball jersey on. It's the oddest thing. I I can't. Cassius Ono. What? What's? Oh, not Apollo Ono. Whatever. Well, I think for Cassius Ono, I don't know if that's a temporary <laughs> Apollo thing. Cruz, a Cassius Ono. They're all the same person. I wonder if the basketball jersey is a permanent thing for Cassius Ono. Or if that's just a thing where Vince saw him, I was like, I've got to put a shirt on. He's too my guy to draw. But he he looks like he's lost weight since he's come back to NXT. And the name Chris Hero is a much better name, too. They probably just didn't want to pay him for We've it. We've already branded him. <laughs> the fans won't remember him. 
And that theme song. Oh, God. What, talk about, ter- like, CFOs or whatever, CFOs have, have been hitting it out of the park lately, but that, oh, no, oh, no, I hate that. When I hear that, I want to turn the TV off. I will forgive them just because of how amazing Mike and Maria Kanellis' theme is. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I don't know what those two are going to actually do, but the song is good. And I even liked uh, the three weeks we had it, Eva Marie's uh, talking announcer theme. I mean, it wasn't really a theme song. It was just random bits of Eva info. But they've had some good ideas lately. But And they don't need to change everyone's theme when they come back because... Like Drew McIntyre had what I thought was one of the best themes when he was in WWE the first time, and they got rid of that and put in some like generic bagpipe rock. Oh, I thought you were gonna say the, the three MB uh, music, the three man band music. Still lives on through the man who has who needs this job because he has kids. Heath Slater. Charles Robinson gets to ref this match just like he would ref Flair's last WWF match as well. They take a break, and then we come back and get Sting's dubbed-over theme. He was actually coming out to seek and destroy still. Sting gets a big reaction from the crowd. This is the first match of the night where these guys actually were treated sort of like stars by the 200 people in attendance. Tony Schiavone said something that we see a lot of prophetic stuff in wrestling. This one, not so much. Schiavone says, Ric Flair may be making his final walk to the ring ever. (laughs) And... Even though he didn't say it, I could tell that he was just wanting us to leave the memories alone. So leave the memories alone. I don't want to say the way it is. That's how it used to be. Leave the memories alone. Don't change a thing. And I'll hold you here in my memory. This match is just the greatest hits match of every Sting and Flair match you've ever seen. They do all their same, all the same moves, chops, eye pokes. Sting pounds his chest, press slam. Sting woos, Flair woos. Rick hits his knee drop and struts. Rick Flair fails at his top turnbuckle move. Surprise. Figure four to Sting. Sting reverses the pressure and escapes. We get a superplex to Flair and then the scorpion death lock and Sting wins. Then he immediately picks Flair up. They hug each other, shake hands, and now it's time to say goodbye to WCW. So, of course, they have a beautiful, they play a Creed song, a montage. Uh, they have Tony Schiavone tell us goodnight, and they fade to black. I told you my thoughts when the match started of how it just looked like they picked up two guys who weren't in <laughs> ring shape and put them in the ring, but... I know it was just their greatest hits, but it was still a good match. It was it was like an exhibition match. It was like a house show match. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't get six and a quarter stars from me, but it, it was still solid. Yeah, Sting Sting didn't try shooting star press or anything. Um, Randy Orton would have been thrilled with this match. There were no dives. Um, Flair attempted a dive, but it, it turned out very badly for him. I don't even think Sting hit a stinger splash, though, in this thing. So he did miss one of his greatest hits moves, uh, and he didn't do the Scorpion Death drop. So there were a couple of, uh, got a couple of problems. But other than that, I mean, who else could have, no one else showed up for work that day. So who else could you have had, and, and what better two people to have than 
to close the whole thing. Oh, but about that ending? No, that's not how it ended at all, of course, no. Uh, Sting and Flair, as they're hugging, um, we cut just instantly to Cleveland as Vince has to redo his intro. He mistimed his walk to the ring, so he has Lillian reintroduce himself as we hear Paul Heyman, ECW's Paul Heyman, on a WWF, at a WWF show on a WCW broadcast, introducing Vince McMahon walking to the ring. Paul gives Vince a huge intro as the winner of the Monday Night War, and he's the greatest guy ever. Vince says this broadcast is being seen here on TNN and also on TNN. He botches his own... I think it was on purpose, though. I think TNN didn't want him to actually say TNT. Much like when they were going back to USA and they spent half the show just bleeping bleeping USA being every other word. It's also being seen on Turner Network Television. Time Warner was begging Vince to buy this shitty company. Vince says he wants Turner to deliver the contract at WrestleMania X7, which I would have loved to have actually had happen. Because Turner, like you said, would have been like, what? You want me to deliver a piece of paper somewhere? Okay, here you go. Here's your contract. There you go. See you later. I do like Vince says that he conquered WCW all on his own. Yeah. Certain WWE superstars and things of that nature, but quite frankly, the truth is, I did it all on my own. It was my effort. It was my money. And it's like, okay, Vince, how can you possibly beat a billionaire? Well, there's only one answer to that. And that's become one yourself. He had a little bit of help from from some other superstars, but it was mostly just him. Yeah, I mean, you got to give the little bit of credit to Triple H, X Pac, Billy Gunn, and the Road Dog <laughs> for their invasion of Nitro. That when just... they when they blew up that arena in Virginia and killed most of WCW's roster. That's why Stasiak and Bam Bam had to wrestle on the last show. Yeah, we forgot the attack. The DX Army did all the work. Sometimes you just have to grab the competition by the throat and squeeze the life out of it like he did to WCW. That's what he's going to do to Shane, his son, this Sunday at WrestleMania, as this was during the uh, the family feud, which would go on for two more years between the McMahons. He's going to put Ted in one corner, and he's going to put Linda in the other so they can both watch him beat the shit out of Shane. Then he asked the crowd in Cleveland, a pro WWF crowd. What what should I do with WCW? Should I just put it on the shelf until we start the WWE network in 20 years for 9.99 a month? Maybe I could just watch tapes of Hulk Hogan going arr, arr. the same thing that made Vince McMahon millions upon millions of dollars. He's the ultimate Hulkamaniac. Or maybe he could start it back up. But who will be a part of it? Time for a survey from the crowd in Cleveland. Thumbs up means yes, thumbs down means no. This is really a complicated way he did this. Yeah. (laughs) This was, yes. Maybe this is why he doesn't understand the Roman Reigns reaction. Hulk Hogan, thumbs up. Yay. Hogan, thumbs down. Silence. Lex Luger? Yay. Luger, thumbs down. Nothing. Buff Bagwell. The crowd was going nuts for Buff Bagwell. It was, I even made a note, like, Buff Bagwell gets biggest reaction until 
someone later on that yeah. we'll discuss, but like it was insane to me. Like people wanted to see Buff Bagwell, <laughs> and then they saw Buff Bagwell that fateful night in he, Tacoma. Vince actually, see, this is why Vince doesn't listen to the fans. The one time he gave them what they wanted, they rejected it. So if that's a lesson. Don't ever want Buff Bagwell. Booker T thumbs up. He gets a decent reaction. Scott Steiner, he gets a pretty decent reaction. The crowd starts chanting for Goldberg. And naturally, as Vince does, he really does hear the fans' voices. So he says, Sting? And Sting gets a kind of a mediocre reaction. But then he says, finally, the one that everyone wanted, Goldberg. And then the place really went nuts. They wanted Bill Goldberg. As OSW Review would say, you're not getting him till 2003, and I'm putting a wig on him. And you're not really getting him until 2016. Then he says, you know what he should have done? He should have flown down to Panama City Beach if they have an airport there. Or maybe he could have brought them here and fired them all in the middle of the ring, which I think would have been an awesome thing to do, actually. A great heel move. All The ones that aren't being signed, that would have been hilarious to see him fire Kevin Nash. And then Vince says... WCW is dead, buried, just like everyone that gets in his way, like Shane McMahon. Asshole chants start up. Vince says, don't you start. Don't you start with that. Damn it, I'm Vince McMahon. Vince's own music hits, but it's also Shane's music, so it's kind of confusing. Shane, is he walking to the ring? No. He's in Panama City Beach, wearing a turtleneck at the beach. 2001, man. And of course, I'll include the promo. Because, Dad, the deal is finalized with WCW. And the name on the contract does say McMahon. However, the contract reads Shane McMahon. Oh, my God! The contract does read McMahon, but it reads Shane McMahon. Shane owns WCW and everything will, of course, as we all know, turn out great. WCW will kick your ass again just like it used to. Then instead of going back to Nitro to say a proper goodbye, they tease the Raw main event, which is a Teddy Long special tag match. Biker Taker and Kane versus Rock and Austin. So a big fuck you to WCW. The show ends, and then for some reason they include the satellite feed ending, which WCW, good night, goodbye. And that's how WCW died. Am I remembering this wrong, or was there a promo on the original airing where Vince buried Jeff Jarrett? They got cut out of the network version, or was that on a different show? Oh, that was on Raw. That was on. That was the opening of Raw. Raw, the Vince vignettes on Raw were separate from the Vince vignettes on Nitro. He sm- he must have taped 13 vignettes between the two shows. So, And what's funny about that opening, it's a, he's looking at two monitors, and he says, that's Raw, and that's Nitro. But it's not actually Nitro. It's just B-roll that they found of Jeff Jarrett walking around. The Raw monitor is just Raw's logo. So it's a really bizarre promo, but yeah, that's, that's on Raw. That's the Raw side of things. Well, now, here's the WWE. And here's WCW. Well, there's Jeff Jarrett. And here we have the owner of the World Wrestling Federation and now the owner of WCW. That's right. 
I'm Vince McMahon. I have purchased, I own my own competition. <laughs> and tonight, tonight I have the ability to address WWE fans as to what this means. I have the ability to address WCW stars as to what this means to them. And yes, I have the ability to address WCW fans as to what this actually means to them as well. Tonight, at the right time, there'll be a special simulcast. And let me just say that tonight for sure, one man will make history. And that's me, Vince McMahon. Now, as far as the Jeff Jarrett's of the world are concerned, you know how Jeff spells his name? That's J-E-double-F. Well, you know what? Hmm, I would suspect that we'd spell it a different way after tonight. That would be capital G, double O, double N, double E. Gone. I thought it would be weird for them to cut, considering they're still not on great terms with double J. I did download a, a great created Jeff Jarrett for 2K17, so I can wrestle as uh, Mr. Slapnuts himself, which I never understood as a catchphrase or as a gimmick. Or I will say that's the one creator wrestler that I have not downloaded. You got to get your Jeff Jarrett on. And you better hurry because the servers will shut down when uh, 2K18 comes out. And there's no telling if it'll come out because we saw Seth Rollins burn down the warehouse. And he beheaded a statue of Andre the Giant. If I don't get my pre-order bonus of Kurt Angle, two different forms, I don't know what I'll do. If Seth ruined this for me, that'll be unforgivable. The two forms is one with hair and one without? Is that the two forms? Well, they say that one is based off like his WWE persona and the other is his ECW wrestling machine. Oh, but okay. the render of him is him in his with a bald head and the team angle uniform. So it could be both forms without hair. I do I am glad they're putting in the ECW Kurt Angle just because that's the look he used so long in TNA as well. That was actually my favorite incarnation of Kurt Angle, and it sucks that it came at the end of his WWE career when he was his mind was shot on painkillers that he doesn't even probably remember half of it, but that version of Kurt Angle's theme music took out the parts where people I could change. I hate the you suck. I hate it. I hate the what. I hate most chants now. I'm anti-chant. Both these guys. Both these guys. Or we are awesome. We are awesome. No, we're not. No, we are not awesome. I'm awesome. The Miz is awesome. But we as an audience are not awesome. And the you suck chants, one that's hard to explain now if someone who didn't follow Kurt Angle the first time and is now watching it, like, you see him come out, like, and hear the fans chanting, you suck at him. And he just, he's smiling, looks like he's on the verge of tears each time, just out of complete joy. Edge or whoever. I think it was Edge that bestowed that upon him. That was a terrible idea. The ECW version of the song took care of that. Now, if they could figure out how to do that with these scripted promos to kill the what chance. Although Carmella and, and others have been getting the, and Alexa Bliss has been getting the better of the what chance of, as of late, so... I think so much of it is just the cadence of the promos. If you, it, They just don't talk like people talk. They don't interact. I have to wait for your response. It's not... And I think a lot of it's the verbiage they have to use is so hard to work in a natural conversation. Yeah. As I have earned this championship opportunity at the Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view, I know that even if I have to be transported to a local medical facility, <laughs> I will defeat you. To earn this championship. You will not abscond with my championship. It's 
not how people talk. So, Brenton, Final Nitro, what are your thoughts on Final Nitro? And maybe WCW in general here. The Final Nitro, the show was fine, not memorable, which really summed up the last few months of WCW. They'd hit that horrible point in 2000, they kind of bounced back from that where things were better, they weren't great, but they just weren't actively horrible. So I'm glad it got to go out on that kind of note instead of just the horrible Russo booking. WCW got a lot of things right through the years, but at the end of the day, they couldn't learn from their mistakes and they couldn't stop overexposing their successes and that killed them. I was excited to see a lot of the young talent go out there and get featured. A, a lot of these, I mean, most of the guys got contracts that were featured on this show, so they were moving on. Um, I wish that the matches had more time, but Vince isn't going to let his competition have time to breathe. We had you know? to work in those 30 Vince phone segments. Yeah, and we're not going to salute the history of WCW because fuck them. You know, like, whatever. The show overall, it was nice to hear Tony actually calling matches, even though Tony's not a great play-by-play guy, but at least he wasn't saying, I wonder what Hogan's doing backstage. I was kind of disappointed DDP didn't wrestle some of the guys. Goldberg didn't show up to work that day. A lot of those guys, but at the same time, fuck them, because they would all, they'd be back eventually anyway, so... Uh, it was good to have the young guys showcase. But if I was watching this at the time, because I'd I'd given up on WCW at this point, I would have been very disappointed in this finale. Um, at least Sting showed back up for the end of it, but and then disappeared for 15, 16 years. So yeah, it was it was nice to get that little goodbye for that huge chunk of time that Sting was gone. I don't know what he was doing. He's really quiet about that time of his career, but it was nice to see him. <laughs> With his little bob haircut. To help out Dolph Ziggler's career when he came back, too, was really nice of him. Dolph just took off, shot to the moon right after that, too. So, On our rating scale of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, where do you rate the final episode of WCW Monday Nitro? This one's pretty easy, you know. it's It was a good show. It could have been so much better, but still solid, so I'd give it a Sugar Shane Helms. Wow. That's that's pretty good. I am going to give it a Kid Romeo because it's small, but it's bursting at the seams with content, and it needs to get it all in uh, before the end of the night. Ew, that's gross. It, I shouldn't have said it like that, but yeah, that's it. A Kid Romeo. By the way, Kid Romeo, if you're out there, 1-800-COLLECT. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. I mean, we found people found Perry Saturn. We can find Kid Romeo. It can be done. Absolutely. If you know the whereabouts of Kid Romeo, please call 865-313-5160. That's right. Thank you. Well, thanks for filling in this week, Brenton. Uh, sorry to keep you from your 4th of July plans. Absolutely. I, I'm available to be a Johnny Nitro level replacement any day of the week. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for this week in the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm Intern Alex. I'm at Brenton Hester on Twitter. Not to Hestercution, even though you changed it four years ago. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. I don't. I won't reveal the show I'm doing next week because I don't know yet. Uh, so we'll see you then. You already have listened. To this whatever. Bingo, bango. Burner breaker. Original KID started in 91 in the state of NC. In the place to be, your boy paid his dues. When Helms of a spot, all your marks are through. Vertebraker, we'll break your spine. Vertebraker, does the trick every time. Vertebraker.
Shane has arrived. Flexing opponents right on the backside. Aim high like Top Gun. Skills ain't got none. Helms will survive. All you haters are done. Vertebraker. We'll break your spine. Vertebraker. Does the trick every time. Vertebraker. We'll slap your face. Vertebraker. Break you like the boys with the face. Don't sleep, sugar. Shane creeps. Then I hit you with the nightmare on Helm Street. All out pops. Non-stop till you drop. Make you say pretty please with sugar on top. Vertebraker. We'll break your spine. Vertebraker. 